Chapter 4, I'm going to continue in the series, Desperate Households. How many of you have ever had a desperate household? How many of you have one now? Don't raise your hand. I'm just, think about it. We're going to talk about today, I'm going to call this termites in the house. We're going to talk about some spiritual termites that get in the house, and I'll explain that in just a moment. If you're wondering where Nehemiah is, go to Psalms and take a left, and go past Job and keep going, and Esther, and you'll come to Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. And I really want to encourage you to bring a Bible to church. I'm just, it's good for you to be able to follow along. And you know, we've got Bibles we'll give to you that are in the lost and found, and we'd be glad for you to have one. So Nehemiah 4, verse 14, let's stand and just read a few verses. I'm going from here to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Let's begin in Nehemiah 4, 14. Now, the background I told you last week. The background is that the children of Israel have been released from Babylonian captivity. And they've been released to go back to their homeland to rebuild the wall, rebuild the temple, rebuild their city. And no sooner do they get there, but they realize they have enemies, enemies. Now, I want to remind you, church, the minute you decide you're going to do the will of God, you're going to get attacked because we have an enemy. He lives in an invisible world. There in that same world are angels and cherubim, seraphim, Jesus Christ, God Almighty, who is a spirit. But the minute you decide, have you ever noticed? I think I'll pray. And the minute you decide to pray, the phone goes crazy, the kids go nuts, all kinds of things happen to distract you and pull you away. And before you know it, you never made it to the prayer closet. Have you ever noticed when you decided, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ in discipleship, and all hell broke loose? It's because we have an enemy. Now, they realize this, and Nehemiah is now talking to them about their enemy. And here's what he says, I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them, that is your enemy. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. And now he's going to tell them what's worth fighting for. And I want you to notice what's worth fighting for. Your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Now, Paul talked about the good fight. There's a bad fight, and there's a good fight. When you fight for your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes, that's a good fight. And when they heard this, it motivated them. It gave them the incentive to fight until they won. And they won the victory because fighting for their families is what moved them. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. And I'm going to teach you today, minister to you on how to fight. How do we fight in the home? Now, not bad for, or I should say, how do we fight for the home? How do we fight in the home? We know how to fight in the home. We need to know how to fight for the home. <laughs> Ephesians 4.29, as I read these verses, I want you to place every one of these commands in the context of the home, the home. Look what he says. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, 
But what in the home, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the family members. I'm changing it a little bit. This is the revised Wickwire version today. That it may impart grace to the family members. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God in the home by whom you have been sealed for the day of redemption. In the home, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And in the home, be kind to one another, tender-hearted towards your family members, forgiving family members, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now look at me a minute. Why am I ministering on this? Because, ladies and gentlemen, if Christianity doesn't work in the home, how can we go preach it out there? How can we go out there and preach it and, and invite that lost culture to come to Christ if Jesus can't work in the home? And I'm going to put it another way. If Jesus works in the home, when he works in the home, and God's released in our homes, he'll be released in the church. And we'll have revival in the church just by virtue of what's been happening in the home. And so let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for your blessing on the homes represented in this church. This is Mother's Day. And I pray that, Lord, on behalf of moms and the home, you will strengthen us and give us wisdom, minister to us. And God, we thank you for your guidance and for your blessing. Now, would you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, as a matter of fact, if you're here with your spouse, would you just take their hand a minute? And if you're single, don't worry about it. Listen, you've got a home too, and everything I'm going to say applies to you too. But if your spouse is here, pray with me now and say, Lord, today we need help in our home. Speak to us, and may Jesus be released. And we thank you for it, Lord. Heal our home. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them this is going to be good today. Now, next week, I'm going to talk about desperate husbands. And if you're a single male, don't say, well, I'll just stay away because I'm not a husband, because what I'm going to say has to do with men, men. But I'm going to talk about desperate husbands or desperate men. And ladies, if you really want somebody to say what you wish you could, but you can't, get your hubby here. And now, husband... Hang on now, because the week after, I'm going to talk about desperate housewives, desperate women. Because there is a desperation among both genders in our culture, and I'm going to talk about it. So, husband, you go ahead and take yours next week, and just know that hers is coming the week after. (laughs) Smile at me. Y'all look like you're about to get a shot at the doctor's office. All right. All right. This week, I went outside, and I saw a weird little thing on on the the wood of our porch. And it looked like a little dirt dauber nest, but it was smaller than that. And I had a hunch, and so I called the pest control. The pest control guy comes out, funny little guy. He looks at these little mounds of dirt that were on the wood outside our porch. And he went, yep, you got them. And I said, what's them? He said, you've got termites. And so I thought, wonderful. Well, I believe that... Everything works for the good. So me being an illustration kind of person, 
I'm at least going to let those termites work for my good. So I'm going to share with you that I looked up about termites and I found there's three kinds. There's a queen and there's a worker and there's the soldier. And those are the three kinds of termite, the worker, the queen, and the soldier. And I found that the queen is really the bad one because the queen hatches all the eggs thousands a day, thousands at a time, and makes it possible for all these other kinds of termites to ruin your house. So I got to thinking, well, Lord, the Bible says that you gave us the things we can see to teach us about things we cannot see. That's what Romans 1 tells us. God made the creation that we can see to teach us about what we cannot see. And so I got to thinking, well, what would be the spiritual queen termite that releases all the other damaging termites that destroy the homes of Christians? Because, folks, let me tell you something. Jesus gave us a little hint. He said, he who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. I'll liken him to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the rain fell and the winds blew and the floods beat on that house, it fell and great was the fall of it. Well, that tells me, you know what? You can be saved and yet not do the Word of God. And if we don't do the Word of God, we can know there are termites working on our home, on our family, on the relationships that God has given to us. And if we don't get into the Word of God and walk in His truth, our house, believers or not, can fall. And when it falls, great is the fall. So how many of you can say, I know I need help in my home. I've been married more than a week, and it's occurred to me, I need help. All right. So if we were to identify the queen termite that gives birth to all other termites that destroy the home, here's what I believe the queen termite would be. It would be ignorance, ignorance of God's Word. Ignorance. Can you say it with me? Ignorance. Ignorance of God's Word. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse 13. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. You find a little trilogy of words in the Bible that go like this. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And the Bible says that those three words, those three words all encompass understanding God, understanding His way of living. We need wisdom, we need understanding, and we need knowledge. The Bible says that if we have those three things, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, the Bible says it's better than gold and better than silver. If you've got wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, you are rich, rich in the ways that really matter. We've all seen people who have loads of gold, tons of silver, but their, their marriages cave, their homes cave, their lives are wrecks. How many of you know we need wisdom and we need knowledge and we need understanding? 
Now you say, well, what's the difference? They sound the same to me. Well, first of all, wisdom. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom. Let's don't worry about all of wisdom. Let's just talk about the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. There's that trilogy. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So there's those three words. So wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Now, what's the fear of the Lord? What does it mean when you say the fear of the Lord? Does it mean you're walking around terrified of God? No, here's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the continual awareness that God is watching and weighing every one of my thoughts words, actions, and attitudes. That's the fear of the Lord, the continual awareness that God is watching and weighing in the balances in the scales of heaven every one of my thoughts, every one of my words, every one of my actions, and every one of my attitudes. They are being weighed in the balances of God. If I am aware of that, How many of you can say, I will watch what I say, I'm going to watch what I think, I'm going to watch what I do, and I'm going to watch the attitudes that I harbor? Y'all are quiet today. See, you act like something bad's coming. This is going to be good. All right? So the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Well, let's just start at the beginning. Let's walk in our homes with the continual awareness that God is watching and weighing every word that is spoken, every thought that is thunk, bad English good preaching, every action that is taken, and every attitude. Anybody in here ever carped in, or carted an attitude in your home? Are there any attitudes floating around in your home? How about the attitude of gratitude? There's all kinds of attitudes. And God is watching and weighing every one of those. That's the fear of the Lord. Well, then, if that's wisdom, then what is knowledge? Knowledge is the knowledge of God and His ways. When the Bible talks about knowledge, it's not talking about somebody who would do good at trivial pursuit. Not that kind of knowledge, not just factual data. When the Bible talks about knowledge, it's talking about the knowledge of God and of His ways. We understand by reading the Bible that God is merciful, that He's long-suffering, that He's gentle, that He's kind, that He's forgiving. As we read about God in the Bible, we see the way God is. And God has already informed us, church, I'm not like you. You think I'm like you, but I'm not like you. As the heaven is higher above the earth, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The Bible says you can't even find the thoughts of God. You can't plumb the depths of the thoughts of God. Thank God we have the revealed character of God in His Bible, in His Word. So when I open up this Word, it reveals to me what God is like and what His ways are like. And so when I understand the ways of God, then I understand how to be more godly. 
So I become more merciful. I become more kind. I become more loving because his character pulls me upward. And so I want to be godly or Christ-like, more like God. And Jesus went so far as to say, if you've seen me and the way I act and the way I talk and the things I do, you've seen the Father. You've seen the Father. You've seen the Father. And so just read about Jesus, the way he healed the sick and raised the dead and cast out devils and did good things. Just watch him, and you're watching God the Father. He was revealed exquisitely and totally and consummately in the character and the person of Jesus Christ. That's knowledge, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Well, then what in the world is understanding? It is understanding how to apply the knowledge and the wisdom of God to our own lives. It's understanding, okay, I I see the way God is. Now, how do I apply it? How do I apply the knowledge of God? How do I apply his wisdom into my normal, everyday, walk-a-day, go-around in the world, go to work, come home, day? How do I apply that knowledge? And that's what I'm going to share with you today. Now listen to this. Now that you know what wisdom and knowledge and understanding are, listen to this next passage. Proverbs 24, verse 3. Through wisdom, fear of the Lord, a house is built. Through wisdom, the fear of the Lord, your home, your marriage, your household is built. And by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge of God and his ways, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. There's that trilogy again. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Watch this. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding will build, establish, and enrich your home. Not a huge paycheck. Not popularity with the crowd. Not any of those, not status, not fame. What builds a house is wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So again, the queen termite that gives birth to the problems that eat away at a home is ignorance of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And I define ignorance as the absence of wisdom, absence of knowledge, and absence of understanding. Listen to what the Bible says in Hosea 4, verse 6. For lack of knowledge, my people, not the lost, my people are destroyed. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So that means you can be one of God's kids and not have wisdom, knowledge, and understanding and have that which is of value destroyed in your life. So that's why I'm on this series of desperate households because the enemy is attacking the home and we need wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to build the house and fill the rooms with precious and pleasant riches. Somebody say, praise God. Now let me share with you A few termites that I see pointed out in the Word of God that eat away at the home. The first one, and most of them have to do with the words that you speak. You know, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. But those who don't know it, those that have no wisdom, knowledge, or understanding about the words that are spoken in the home will be cursed by the words that are spoken in the home. Now, the first thing that Ephesians 4.29 pointed out, he said, let no corrupt word, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth in the home. Let no corrupt word 
word proceed out of your mouth in the home. Because if we can get a hold of what we say in the home, we can get a hold of what we say here. Well, y'all are so serious. He's getting on words, Martha. I'm in big trouble. You better not nudge me when he's talking. Watch this. Corrupt means bad, rotten, decayed, unwholesome, putrefied, of poor quality, and unfit for use. Jesus used the same Greek word to describe bad or rotten fruit. None of us would walk up to an apple tree and pull an apple off that was all withered and looked gnarly and grody and we knew had worms in it and not one of us would bite into that thing because it's corrupt he's saying he's saying there are words that you can speak that are like throwing rotten apples right out of your mouth death and life i call corrupt words death words death words death words let no words of death in the home proceed out of your mouth you know what kind of word this is when somebody goes on a rant or a rave and they lose their temper or they're just critical or whatever then then it fills the house with a pall a pall of of pain and and hurt and sorrow and depression and oppression it, 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 there's power in the words that you speak he says so now believers of god let no corrupt word bad rotten decayed unwholesome unfit for use come out of your mouth in the home in the home how many of you successfully didn't criticize at all for a whole week i don't remember you saying that last week remember when i had you stand up and we did that little thing we promise to try how many of you can say I did try <laughs> I'll just stop right there <laughs> it's not easy is it it's not easy and I'm the first to admit it's not easy it's not easy at all but you got into it day by day word by word moment by moment year by year and you come out the same way now here's a, a few examples of corrupt words cursing that is swear words don't let a corrupt curse word swear word come out of your mouth don't curse others with those words critical words man you don't look like you did when we got married why don't you hit the gym now what they could say is have you looked in the mirror lately because you don't look the same either critical words you don't this you don't that you ought to this you ought to that how come you don't this how come you don't that? and critical words are corrupt words rotten apples flying right out of our mouth demeaning words that tear people down harsh words you idiot you dummy hey stupid mean-spirited words void of love kindness or affection these are all corrupt corrupt now notice he didn't say cut down on your corrupt words he said let no corrupt words come out of your mouth and so here's the word of god now folks i'm going to tell you something most people who are spouting corrupt words in the home all the time have no idea what they're doing they're like the frog in the boiling water the frog in the boiling water, he's put in that water when it's just warm. You turn the fire up, and as it gets hotter, because it takes a while, he doesn't even know the water is getting hotter and hotter until finally he dies. I don't believe that people who spout corrupt words half the time even know that they're doing it. And when they do know they're doing it, they don't know the effect that it's having, that, it is, that, it's, that it's casting death. It's corrupt. 
It's a death word, and it's corrupt, and it's casting corruption onto the household. And this is where you've got to reverse the curse. This is where you've got to put the brakes on and say, I'm not going to allow this kind of word out of my mouth anymore because when I do this, I'm giving the devil a foothold. I'm allowing him in. I'm letting him get a grip on my home. And one day, one day, like what I read about recently, a couple had another couple over to their house. And after they were done eating, they walked outside on their great big palatial porch. And they were standing at this porch, uh, underneath this porch, talking. And one of them leaned up against one of the, uh, the porch pillars. And the whole porch came crashing down around them. They were shocked. They were stunned. It was a beautiful house. The next day, after inspection, they discovered it was termites. Couldn't see them, didn't know they were there. No signposts, no telltale signs, no waving flags. Unless you were an expert, you didn't know they were in there gnawing on the wood. And it's that same thing that operates when you're ministering in corrupt words in the home. You got to stop talking that way to your spouse. You're killing yourself. You got to stop talking that way to the kids. You're killing yourself and killing them. The Bible says, rather, you ought to speak what is good for edification that it might impart grace to the family members. I found out something this week I didn't know. The Greek word, the New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek word for edify is oikotameo. Now you take that and split it in half. It's two words that make up one. Oikos means house. And meo means to build. Do you know that when you use the word edify, you're actually using a word that means to build a house. To build a house. So when you say edifying things to people, like, oh, you do that so well. You're such a blessing. I really love you. I really care about you. You're such a blessing to have around. Boy, you're a good cook. Boy, you do this or that or the other. When you, what you're doing is you're building their spiritual house. And if you speak edifying words in the home, you're building instead of tearing down the home. You're building the home when you speak words that build the house and edify and minister grace to the family members. Isn't that powerful? <clears throat> ministers grace to the family members say well pastor jeff if i didn't say critical words i'd pop well you know what go find a prayer closet shut the door get on your knees and tell god everything critical about them i'll tell you what god will eventually do <laughs> he'll eventually say okay enough about them now let's talk about you and what about you and you, if you this and if you, and, and you know what? God will come and correct you. He'll listen to the criticism and nobody is hurt in the process. Just because you feel it doesn't mean you've got to say it. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the fool vents all his feelings. Did you know that? Well, I feel it. So because I feel it, I ought to say it. No, some things that you feel you should never say. Keep it to yourself. Don't tell another living, breathing soul. Well, I'll go tell my best friend. You better be real sure they're our real best friend. Because sometimes what you think are best friends have got another deal going on behind your back. And they're stabbing you in the back while smiling in your face. Be sure it's a good, real best friend. But just because, say with me, just because I feel it, 
Doesn't mean I have to say it. Now, a second termite that I see in the house is bitterness. The Bible says, let all bitterness be put away from you. Let all bitterness be put away from you. You know, it's interesting. The bitterness in the Greek language is this word, pikros. Pikros. It sounds just like what it does. It means to cut, to prick, sharp edge. It's like a bitter herb. It gives a picture of you just bit into something that's just bad. It's raw. It's bitter. And and your whole face just quenches up at the very taste of what you just bit into. That's what the word picross means. Bitterness, picross. Bitterness results. Here's how bitterness happens in the home. A hurt happens. Now, if you live with people, hurts are going to happen because we're imperfect human beings. That's why you ought not be shocked when you get into a church that it's not perfect like you. That's just a little joke, son. Y'all could smile. You get into a church and you go, well, I just thought it'd be like Jesus in church. No, it's just a bunch of people trying to find their way with God just like you. (laughs) But now, here's the way it hurts. All bitterness begins with a hurt. It begins with a hurt. Somebody in the family says something or they do something and it hurts. And it just grabs a hold, it stabs you, it stabs you, it sticks you, it pricks you, it hurts. Now, when that hurt is not handled scripturally, that hurt is like a cut on your foot. It begins to fester. And then if you don't take care of it, it begins to get infected. And if you don't take care of that infection, it goes out and it begins to affect the entire body. It begins to kill the whole body. Bitterness in a family will kill the whole family. It'll kill the whole family. If you don't take care of bitterness, if bitterness is not handled, it'll kill the whole family because it's an infection. Bitterness is a sign that somebody was hurt and the hurt has not been healed. Dads and moms, you ought to be very alert to hurts in children because if their hurts are not handled, it'll put down a root of bitterness. And before you know it, you got a raging rebel on your hands and you don't know why. It's because they got hurt and the hurt festered and then it became a bitterness, a root, and now it's springing up and defiling many. And you married people, you spouses, you need to recognize and know If your spouse is hurt, if you see your spouse get hurt and you ignore it and you walk away from it and you make fun of it and you marginalize it and you don't take it seriously, that thing is going to begin to fester and one day the whole porch falls in and you're shocked. Amen. Amen. Now there's warning flags of a bitter spirit. Let me just share a few. The warning flags of a bitter spirit are, number one, a closed spirit. No longer do you two share affection uh, affection or, or, or kind words or any kind of communication other than business. Are the bills paid, the kids taken care of, everything all right around the house? Cool. But we used to sit down and, as it were, on the porch swing and just talk about life. And we shared our feelings and we shared our hopes and our dreams. What's happened to all that? A closed spirit always results from bitterness. You pull in and you are not going to share your heart with the person towards whom you are bitter. There's a change in personality. 
You wonder, what in the world has happened to the person I used to know? They're not acting the same. Angry outbursts, and you don't know why. You can't fit. You didn't do anything here to justify this. And you wonder, where is that coming from? It's often coming from bitterness, rebellion against authority. Anytime somebody walks in a bitter spirit, they begin to resent authority and resent the, the, the Word of God, the, the, the ultimate values found in Scripture. They will argue against God's truth. They'll argue with you about the Word because they are bitter and they know that they are not submitted to the Word of God as long as bitterness is there. The Bible says, let the termite of bitterness be put away, put away. Now, if you read that straight out of the language, it's like this. It's like, it's like it's telling you to take a coat off and put it in the closet. And the good news is you don't have to feel like it. Because bitter people never feel like getting rid of it. Bless God, I'm bitter. I like it. Don't tell me not to be bitter. I'm carting an attitude. I'm mad at you, bub, and I'm going to stay mad at you. Don't realize you're not hurting them. They're going on with life. They're not thinking every day when they wake up, "Uh uh-oh, they're bitter at me. They finally get up and say, you know, hallelujah, I'm going on. And there you sit in your cesspool of anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. So he says, put it away. It's just like taking off a jacket and putting it in the closet. Just make up your mind you're going to do it and just put it away. You know, in East Texas, we had this neat thing. We burned all of our trash. There was this big can out back, and there was just something so pyro cool about being able to take the trash out there and pour lighter fluid into it and just poof. I think there was more than once I got rid of some anger and some stress just watching that thing burn. You know, burn, baby, burn. (laughs) Just something complete about being able to burn it. You know what God's saying? Take your bitterness and take it out back and put it in the trash and burn it. Just, just, just go do it. Well, I don't feel like it. Start talking. I forgive. I forgive. I'm not going to hold on to this. I forgive. You have power to come out of bitterness by the words of your mouth. Just say it. I forgive. I forgive. I don't feel like it, but I forgive. I'd like to see God vaporize them, but I forgive. <laughs> I forgive, and I turn all vengeance over to God. And the more you say it, the more you begin to be released. And don't mess with that stuff another week. Bitterness is a termite eating away at your home. By the time you look at the smoking embers of what remains, you will regret having held on to bitterness. Get rid of it. Say with me, burn it. Now, the third termite is wrath and anger. And I put them together because they're really kind of brother and sister, but they're different. Wrath and anger, there's a difference between the two. Wrath means an outburst of temper, exploding in rage. And the funny thing about wrath is as quickly as it comes, it goes away. You know this type of person. You know what triggers their anger. You know when they're about to explode. The pets know when they're about to explode. Everybody runs for cover. Everybody lets them get it out. And, and when they're finally done with their, their fit, then, then they say, hey, I'm fine. Praise the Lord. And everybody else is sitting there with singed hair. Your clothes are smoking. Well, I'm glad you're okay. That's wrath. 
That's wrath. But now anger, anger, anger is a little spookier. Because anger means a more settled or abiding condition of mind, frequently with view to taking revenge. It's less sudden in its rise than wrath, but more lasting in its nature. The person who's angry is always simmering underneath. Absalom is a perfect picture. His half-sister is raped by a brother. And instead of exploding in rage, Absalom just walks around with it for a few years. And if you went up and said, had anything to Absalom, you think everything was fine. Hey, praise the Lord. But inside, he's boiling underneath like that volcano they keep saying is going to explode in that other country. And all it's doing is spewing out a little bit of lava, a little bit of uh, sparks here, but it's not a full-blown explosion. It's just looking like it's going to. That's the angry person. And when the right moment comes, just like Absalom, who killed Amnon, when he had the moment, then the anger that had been down there for years came up and action happened. But for years, he simmered and carried it. And if you're that way, you're poison in your home. You're poison. Because everybody feels it. It doesn't take the people in your home long to realize you can say the right things and do the right things and you're going through the motions, but underneath, you are ticked. Yeah, you, son of God, daughter of God. You know what you got to do? You say, I can't be this way anymore. I cannot be this way anymore. It's coming out in words here and there, actions here and there. And I got to get rid of it. You take it outside. You take it off like a coat. Take it outside and burn it. And quit being angry. He says, put it away from you. Put it away from you. So here's the termites. Oh, and clamor. You know what clamor is? Loud quarreling. Loud quarreling. And that comes from wrath and anger and bitterness. Loud quarreling. Now, I know nobody in here has loud quarreling at your house, but get the CD and take it out to somebody who needs it. Because Christians don't quarrel loud. We just say, now let's just talk about this. Let's just sit down and praise the Lord. Let's just be spiritual about this. We're saved. We go to church. We have Bibles. Let's pray before we talk. Oh, Lord, sanctify this conversation in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, we agree together. What I really love about Joyce Myers is she's so honest. And she was telling this story. She said, when, me, when we first got saved, she said, our home was hell. And she said, we'd be going to church. And she said, here we are driving to church. And she says, we'd be screaming the whole way, Dave, would you tell those kids to shut up? Well, I'm trying to get them to shut up. Shut up, kids. Reaching, she said, I'd reach back there and swat them. And they'd be crying and yelling back at me. And we'd have this war going on. And we'd pull up the church with the elders outside and get out of the car. Hallelujah. Hello there. How you doing? Oh, glory to God. Bless Jesus. Isn't this the day the Lord has made? And we come in fake and phony as the day is long. Because on the way here, it was clamor. (laughs) 
she says, we finally figured out how to get that under control. <laughs> but, you know, isn't it true? It's true. And so he says, take it off like a coat and take it out back and set it on fire and burn it and walk away. Because those are all things your old man did. He says, now remember wisdom, knowledge, and understanding? He says, here's the wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Be kind to one another. Kind to one another. Means pleasant, good, gracious. This word, when Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, the word easy is the same word for kind. So here's what you can do with kind. Kind means you're being easy on people. I blew it yesterday with Kathy. I blew it. I did a book signing at Barnes & Noble. And I was thinking about that, thinking about going there. And she called me about an hour before I was supposed to go. She said, Jeff, there's a guy that works with me, and he's a believer, and he's going off to uh, travel for 10 hours in the car. He's going to be traveling. And he wants some of your tapes. Can you bring some of your tapes? And I said, sure. Which one? She, I said, I got tons of them. She said, just bring whatever you think is good. I said, okay. Walked out, totally forgot. I'm sitting there behind my books, and all of a sudden there's this person. There's this guy. He says, hi, I'm John. I said, hi, John. Huh. My book? He said, well, I'm here to get tapes. You know, Kathy said, you're going to give me some tapes. Oh, John, I forgot. Now he, I don't know what he said in the, when he got to the car. He was kind with me. He was easy. K Kathy wasn't necessarily. <laughs> she came later. She said, you give John those tapes? And I said, Kathy, I forgot. Jeff Wickwire, now when I get my whole name, <laughs> I know. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? When you get the whole name. Jeff Wickwire? I told you an hour before you left. I know you did. And I just flat forgot. What can I say? She said, do you feel bad? I said, yeah. She said, good, you should. <laughs> and then she said, bring him a CD set and a book when he gets back from vacation. It's sort of a piece. Of, I'll be glad to do it. But you know, she cut me a lot of slack because he came all the way from where they work to me and I had nothing. But now we're okay, right? We're okay. We're all right. Because I can't preach good if we're not okay. All right. All right. But see, yeah. Yeah. Kind, kind is when you're easy on your family members. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Then the third, second word, tenderhearted. Tenderhearted. Instead of being hard-hearted and unforgiving, tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. Just like God through Christ forgave you. How did God forgive you? When you were his enemies, he forgave you. When you were ignoring him, he forgave you. When you were denying him, he forgave you. When you were aggravating him, he forgave you. That's the way we're to do family members. So the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding is be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving in the home. That's the law of the home. And those other things go out with the old man. So let's stand together, can we? <clears throat> now I want to do something for you.
I have something I want to hand you. The ushers are going to give it to you. If you guys want to just start going down the aisles now, it's just something that will help you to have a devotional in your home. And you dads, uh, uh, I trust that you'll be the leader of the home and lead your family in this. If you're a single mom, you lead your family in it. If you're, you live alone, lead yourself in this. But these are things that will help you to have a devotional in the home that will release the Lord into your home. So don't look at them now. Look up at me. It's free. It's all yours. But let's pray together, can we? Let's just go to the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, today, I need you. Forgive me for the termites that have been operating in my home. I ask you to help me to exercise kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness. Now take a minute and ask the Lord to forgive you if you've been throwing corrupt words around. It's so easy to do. If you've been bitter, I so encourage you to get rid of it. Begin to forgive those people with the, the words of your mouth. Remember, your sons and your daughters are worth fighting for. Your home is worth fighting for. How many of you can say, I needed this today, Pastor Jeff? Amen? All right. Praise God. We needed it.